Welcome, film industry professionals, movie aficionados, and aspiring filmmakers. This is the Cinema Pathway Podcast, brought to you by Paradoxical Films. I'm your host, Howard Brand. Join us on a journey behind the camera and, most importantly, beyond what we know about film and the craft of filmmaking. So sit tight, grab some popcorn and soda. Let's go ride on Cinema Pathway. Welcome, listeners, to the Cinema Pathway Podcast. The late, great Whitney Houston once sang, and this would be later echoed by Randy Watson and his band Sexual Chocolate, as well as the future Queen of Zamunda, Lisa McDowell, that the children are our future. We've often talked about the importance of educating the next generation of filmmakers and content creators, and like the pathway to becoming a filmmaker, there is no one-size-fits-all approach. Our guest today is an innovative educator who also has more than 30 years' experience in film and television productions. He's won numerous awards, including a Suncoast Chapter Emmy, five regional telly awards, a Platinum AVO Award, and Communicator Award of Excellence. He is currently an executive producer at the Broward Education Communications Network, uh, also known as Beacon. I am very excited to welcome Jim Garashi to the show. Jim, welcome. Hello. Thank you for having me. Like I mentioned, your experience is quite diverse. Uh, in addition to currently working as an executive producer, you've also been a director of photography, a director, videographer, a first AC. You've worked in commercials, television, television series, uh, something we have in common. You've also done public service announcements for the United States government. Uh, and now you're an executive producer for a TV station that supports the sixth largest school district in the country. Interesting career arc. Can you take us back to uh, where and when you got your initial start in the film and TV industry? So I'd love to have this, you know, Steven Spielberg story where I was making films as a six-year-old and eight-year-old and dreamed of it. It didn't work out that way for me. Uh, you know, I was going through high school in the 80s and we didn't think of the future too much then. We just think thought of the present. Yeah, And kids ask me all the time, oh, did, have you always wanted to get into film? No. In fact, it was like right before I had to declare a major at Florida State. Uh, and I was like, hmm, I liked my mass media class in high school. My sister was a wardrobe stylist. I'm like, that sounds fun. You know, like so many people get in the industry, it sounds fun and glamorous. And anyway, yeah. So I, I applied. I didn't get into the media production department at Florida State the first time. And I was a little angry. I was like, what? Because I had good grades. And I went into the dean. And he's like, well, you have no experience whatsoever. So I spent that, you know, I got all frustrated. Spent that next semester volunteering and doing all these productions in the department and finally got in. Um, and I guess I got lucky because it did turn out to be a passion of mine. A last second choice turned into a very good choice for the rest of my life. And, and it really has driven me through. I've always been passionate about it. So when I graduated college, my plan was to intern at a place in, in South Florida and get hired on. You know, I, did, I knew I wasn't going to stay in Tallahassee. Nothing was happening there. Um, and I originally thought I was going to be an editor, to be honest with you. And I applied to BVI, which was a, a post-production house at the time, and Venture Productions, which was both a post-production and production company. I spent a week with the editor in the online suite. And then that next week went on a shoot. And I knew that's what I wanted to do. I, I didn't want to be in a room all day. Not that I don't appreciate editing and I do edit now and I enjoy it, but I'm a people person. Um, and just to be on a different shoot and different set of people and different goals, that really attracted me. 
And I worked for that company for like eight years doing production, you know, back when we shot film, you know, we shot mostly 60 millimeter, uh, Airy SR2, and it was a lot of fun, learned a lot, worked with a lot of great people. In fact, I just met with them last night from Venture Productions. We're still in contact. This is from, you know, 1993 through seven. And we still, it's a great group of people. A lot of them are still in the industry and uh, we did some really good stuff. Do you remember what some of those early projects were? Oh yeah. Well, so that company had a, the major contract was with the Armed Forces and Radio Television Network. I think that's what it was called now. I'd be called something different. So basically it was for overseas programming. They don't have commercials. They had to fill the time. So we do a lot of public service announcements for the army as well as other things to fill in that time. And, but we would literally do, you know, a hundred spots a year. I mean, it was a, we had three producers that rotated. One was in pre-production, one was in production, one was in post-production at all times. So as a crew, we were constantly shooting, but it was great. You know, busy is good, you know, um, and we'd stay busy. We became very good friends and we were constantly building sets and doing all these different, we would do reenactments. We did Western scenes. We did, you know, war scenes. We also did simple ones like how to pack for a move, you know, um, just these things they needed from the government. Some were more simple than others, but we really had a lot of fun. And and it's nice when you do that much work and you're still working in film, you get to play and create. And uh, we, and the people there, they cared about what they were doing, which was a good role model for me. Yeah, I remember it. By the time I went into the military, I think it was the Armed Forces Network. Uh, so I remember on ship when I was deployed, we would watch it all the time. Uh, my wife, also a veteran, she was stationed in Korea. That's basically what they relied on. And interesting things. And all that stuff is still archived somewhere. It's probably on DVD. So I, uh, I'm going to gonna have to look some of that up. Yeah, right. The nice thing about being in a small company like that, too, was I got to do so much. You know, I started, I tell the story, I interned with them and my goal was to be there 40 hours a week, collared shirt, short sleeve, regardless. We're on the, we're on the beach, we're on whatever. I was going to make myself there at all times, you know, not unpaid so that when I left, they would miss me. And that was the goal. And I did. And I got a call to get hired to them. And I've never forget this. They said, uh, the boss at the time, Jim Duffy, the owner was like, and we also need you to go to makeup school. And I was like, pause on the conversation. And it wasn't even like cool makeup school, like bloody face or anything. It was like, I shadow it and I'm like, Jim, I'll do whatever it takes to get hired, but I don't even know what good makeup looks like. Um, and so eventually another associate producer took the, she went, she, she, I think quote unquote said, Jimmy shouldn't go. He'll screw it up. I'll go. <laughs> kind of thing. Um, but yeah, so, you know, just to get in, I would do anything. Sometimes having low expectations works in your, in your favor. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and I always kid, I was in the pro, I was a PA with the props department and I probably was the worst PA ever. Because this was before phones. So he, they'd send me out for an Art Deco rug. I didn't know what Art Deco was. So I'd have to find a phone, call him. Okay, this is what it looks like. It's got squigglies on the corner. It's like red and green. And I always was more interested in the crew. I always was behind the dolly or behind the crew. And he, I'm trying to picture how an Art Deco rug works its way into an army PSA. You'd be surprised. I know. I know. A I'm, lot I'm of sure. really cool concept stuff. You know, we, you know, with doing a big contract like that, we had fun, try to have fun too. So we would think of cool concepts because we pitched them all, you know, and uh, we wanted to do what we wanted to do too. Did you shoot all of them in South Florida? Did you get to travel at all? We traveled, yes. Uh, a lot of times we'd go to different bases and things like that. When we, we did a lot of traveling. In fact, one of the contracts with the armed forces was just called Fillers and it was to go to different national parks and shoot beauty shots you know, make it like 10 minutes long and then they can cut in and out whenever they want. Um, and that for a person right out of college, what a blessing it was because I traveled around the country, saw so much of the country, you know, Hawaii and Washington and New England and uh, all these different places. And as a kid, well, kid, you know, just out of college, it was perfect. I was single, traveling around, seeing beautiful places. I, I look back on the thing, how lucky I was for that too. Uh, but yeah, we traveled often, but most of the stuff we would shoot here. It's funny you mentioned you know, Hawaii and all that. I, I 
I worked for the Department of Defense for a little while, and I we would go to a lot of events, and I worked with a fantastic group of women. There's about five of us on the team, and when traveling came up, you know, a couple didn't like to travel. Another couple had small kids at home, so didn't want to travel. So it was literally like, okay, I'll go to Hawaii for the I'll go to Germany. You know, I'll go to Anaheim for that. It's uh, it's interesting. You mentioned bases. Uh, I was a Marine, so didn't spend too much time at Army bases. But one I did spend time at was Fort Sill, Oklahoma. So I don't know if you ever had the uh, misfortune of visiting there. In fact, I don't think I've ever been to Oklahoma. Um, but I will say this. When you work, do so many things. We did a lot of things. We, we shot with the Harrier pilots. We shot with a bunch of different people. The uh, Golden Knights quite a few times went up with them and all that. But one thing I pulled from that whole experience was how much of a good option the military is for people. Later, when I actually I taught for a short period of time at Attucks Middle School at the Broadcasting Magnet, um, that's another story. But every year have a military uh, recruitment person come in to talk to, because it was a low economic area. And I wanted kids to know, even at the middle school, this is an option and a very good one. You know, these people have very good careers. You can, if you do it right, you can make it a career. You can retire early and continue on in education. So I would make a point of bringing them in because I saw firsthand what a, a great opportunity it could be for the right person. You know, so that was kind of neat. And some of these people in the military are just amazing. Yeah. And I would piggyback that, that I think when people think in the military, they think everybody's a warfighter. Um, when you're you're really not. And as it relates to media production and that type, it is a great career field. Uh, you know, the public affairs the field, what the military and the Department of Defense does, it's really good, is everybody, whether you're a Marine, Army, Air Force, uh, Navy, they all go to the same school. It's one of the few jobs where there's one school, so everybody learns the same way. Uh, civilian practitioners go there, so it's called DINFOS, Defense Information School. It's at Fort Meade. You know, we always refer to public affairs people as DINFOS trained warriors. Once you get into that, it's like a fraternity or a sorority. Everybody knows everybody. My wife and I worked in the same office almost 10 years apart. And when I walked in for the first day, first thing everybody was asking was, how's Jen? How's Jen? How's Jen? And then a few years later, a couple of years ago, uh, when we had moved down here and she worked for another job, I had left that office. When she went back to working on working with them and on monthly calls, everybody would be like, how's Howie? How's Howie? So it's a uh, it's a small community. So if you are, you know, thinking about the military and, you know, this field, media production, especially photography, I mean, you get great photography training, video training, uh, broadcast training, uh, definitely look into it, the students out there. So after your time at Venture Productions. Was it after that that you moved over to Beacon? I was at Venture for about eight years. Um, and I was at Crossroads. You know, I, was, I, I met my future wife. I knew I wanted to settle down. And for those people who understand production, production's a pretty labor-intensive, hours-intensive, time-intensive thing. And I, so I had to make a decision. They were going through some changes as well. Um, and my it was freelance or what else, you know? And my mother-in-law, she would become my mother-in-law. She was a guidance counselor for years in the Broward School System. And she said, you know, you'd be a great teacher. You should look into it. it, it you know, it's a set schedule. You can still do freelance work if you do it right, that kind of stuff. And I just, that day we drove down to the Broward County Schools. I didn't even know how to look for job descriptions there. And as I was there, I saw one for Attucks Middle School. I called them from the Casey Wright building downtown and they said, can you come down now? And I went down, t-shirt, shorts, talking to them. And I got hired like then, you know what I mean? And I'll never forget this. Uh, my DP, Buck Brinson at Venture, he had a sister who was a teacher. And as I was leaving, he said to me, 
you're making the biggest mistake of your life. And if you've never been in that experience teaching for the first time in a classroom, I would be up at night with my eyes, you know, like deer in the headlights. And that would like resonate through my brain. You've never, yeah, as you scramble to make a lesson plan for the next day, because you're just trying to survive with these kids because they come ready to go every day, regardless of you are. Um, and that would go over my head, Buck saying, you're making the biggest mistake of my life. And, uh, but you know, it all works out. I didn't teach very long. Um, I only taught for like two years there. It's very fun though. You know, this was back in 97, 8, 9, something like 99. So these, my kids in middle school now are adults with kids. And we have a little Facebook uh, page uh, for Addicts Middle School Broadcasting Students. And it was a little special time in my life because if you've ever taught, the bond you make with the kids, even at the time you want to pull your hair out, but the bond you make with them um, is cool. And to see them as adults and still appreciate their time when they were with me is very cool. So I actually stopped teaching because Beacon opened up, they have a program still called Broward Teen News, which is a news program, journalism, like magazine style, by kids, for kids. It's a better way to describe it. Um, they had an opening. And I knew, even though I liked teaching, the lesson plans, the grading, I mean, I'm, I don't come from a teaching background. I love working with the kids, um, but I also love to do it. Um, so this gave me an opportunity to kind of work with smaller groups, go out on shoots with them, do that kind of stuff. So that's how I got to Beacon initially. It's interesting. It's like, and, and I've heard people say like, I love teaching. I don't love the idea of being a teacher. Like if you think about it, it's like, yeah, like, I mean, even me, you know, when I was in film school, I love working with younger kids and helping it, but I don't know if I could actually be a, a, a full-time teacher, but your story is very similar to uh, Josh Ellis, who's a film professor we had. It was the same thing. He actually uh, went to grad school at Florida State, you know, MFA, then went out to uh, Hollywood, you know, worked in the industry for about 10 years. Both he and his wife were in the industry. And when they, you know, decided they want to have a family, someone told him, you know, you have an MFA, you you can teach. He's like, oh, really? And it's uh, for him and sounds for you, you're able to, you know, it's the best of both worlds being to bring those two together. It is. You said it great. <laughs> and, and it's also important, you know, we talked, as I mentioned earlier, there's no blueprint. There's no one pathway. So, you know, to our listeners out there who want to work in film or content creation or TV production, uh, there's a lot of options out there. And we will talk more about those as we get into this. But I want to go back to, uh, you said growing up in the 80s, you know, you had no idea what you wanted to do. Me in high school in the 90s, same thing. No idea what you wanted to do. But thinking back to your childhood, were you into movies or TV shows? Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. I loved movies and TV and, and all that kind of stuff. And I, um, but I've, and I've always had an appreciation for creativity. Um, it's uh, still to this day, it, it really awes me when I see something so original, so creative, like, you know, how how do these people come up with these concepts? And I've, oh, I get goosebumps from, I just, I'm so, pre I don't consider myself the most creative person as well. I'm much more structured. That's why I was an AC for years. You know what I mean? I was more technical. Um, and I've seen creative people, you know, I've seen really creative directors and I know that's just not, I'm fine. I'm okay. Um, I can get by and I guess for the average American, I'm very creative. But when you see someone, you know, it's kind of like editing too. I'm a, I'm a good editor, but I've seen really good creative editors. You know what I mean? Um, so so I've always had a, an appreciation for the arts. Like, you know, I what was that? Um, just up for the Oscar, everything, everywhere, all at once. I mean, I watched that movie and I had to stop for a second, just pause it. Like, how does this come out of someone's mind? 
Like, how does this get down on paper and then get down on camera? I love the creative side of everything and always have. Even music, everything, you know, that yeah. kind of stuff. And that's the key thing. I think a lot of people can create stuff in their mind. A lot of people can pick, but getting it from your mind onto paper and then actually translating it into something, it's amazing. I mean, I'm thankful that there's so many creative people in the world to entertain us. And, you know, whether it be music, you talk about music. Yeah, I'm a big music guy. My One of my favorite all-time bands is Rush. Uh, and, you know, Neil Peart, I like to joke, you know, mankind has roamed this earth for tens of thousands of years. I'm fortunate I happen to live in the same time that Neil Peart was on and when you watch a Neil Peart, like his drum solo, the hand of God on his hands is just mesmerizing to see and hear what he can do. And, you know, there's others out there, but it's no amazing. Offense. I was a police guy. Uh, still am. I wasn't I wasn't a huge Rush fan. Not going to lie. Always appreciated them. I've seen them live. They're incredible. Uh, more of an alternative police uh, kind of guy. That's where I roll. When they were first getting going in the 70s, he was actually very inspired by the police. He considers them one of the uh, one, of, one of his influences. They're kind of similar in the sense that yeah. they're such great musicians yeah. Yeah. individually too. And a tree, the trio. The, yeah, threesome yeah. and three guys that are able to just sound like an orchestra. First concert I saw, Police in the Orange Bowl, 1984, Synchronicity Tour. My sister brought me. I was in like maybe eighth grade, seventh grade. <laughs> Never forget it. I, I escaped my sister. I got all up to the front of the stage right next to the big huge power speakers and they played walking on the moon with the big walking on the moon with the big bass so, and my chest was like as an eighth grader i'm like what am i experiencing right now as my chest is booming but i had a had a great time I had a great time not gonna lie when you talk about when you first got into teaching or when, when you try when you started teaching it was around you know late 20th century you know the internet was starting to come of age fortunately it was before every kid had cell phones so it was uh you know you really and then going from film to digital you know, you've really been able to have a front row seat and be part of that transition. You know, what's funny is when I left venture production, so I was in this weird age where computers, I kind of missed it. The only computer knowledge I had was like basic, you know, actually coding and, you know, these silly games. So, and then I went into production when computers started. I always kid when my wife had a computer when we got married, she wouldn't let me on it because I didn't know what I was doing. And I wasn't scared either, so I would screw things up. Um, and it took me to teach to actually have a computer on my desk and learn it. Um, and at that time, they just came out with like iMovie and just where you could actually do editing on the computer. Um, so it was kind of is neat. I even though I was behind, I when I started, I was starting at the beginning too. And Final Cut was just coming out and that kind of stuff. So I learned along with everybody else, which was kind of neat. But um, yeah, you know. They didn't have any of that. Talk about no phones. We had nothing. You know, I don't have a computer. I don't have nothing. And, you know, in production, when would we use it? Never, you know? So, um, but that was, yeah. So it was a neat kind of period. So even though I was behind, I caught up quick because I was with everybody. Interesting times we've lived through. Uh, we're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back. Cinevideotech and Paradoxical Films are pleased to bring you Tell Your Story Master Training Workshops. You will learn how to work with actual 16 millimeter and 35 millimeter film and film cameras, as well as how to load and change magazines. In addition, the workshop will teach you what it takes to work on set as a first or second assistant camera, the fundamentals of lighting, and the pathway to becoming a director of photography. Visit www.paradoxicalfilms.com backslash tell your story for information on dates, pricing, and how to sign up. Hurry as seats are limited and classes are filling up quickly. And we are back today. I am joined by Jim Garashi. Jim, as I mentioned, I've been around a bit. <laughs> Went to, you know, grew up in the 80s, high school in the 90s. You know, I grew up with cable access TV and 
you know, schools would have student-run TV and radio stations. But Beacon is different. This isn't some student-run TV station. Beacon is, like you mentioned, it's an FCC-licensed station. So what exactly is Beacon? So we're owned by the school board of Broward County. Um, some There are other stations similar to us throughout the country, usually in bigger areas, LA and so forth. Um, Miami-Dade owns uh, the PBS down in South. Um, so we're owned by the school board of Broward County, but yeah, we're an FCC licensed television station. Kind of, We're not PBS affiliated, we're independent. Um, we are non-commercial. Um, so there's advantages and obviously disadvantages. We don't get the pumped in programming from PBS, but so we have to create a lot on our own, which Again, an advantage and disadvantage. You know, um, the advantage is we can create what we want. Disadvantage is not having prepackaged uh, bigger national spots. But um, it's a great place. Um, you know, I work with a lot of really good people that care. Um, they not only care about doing good work, they care about education. They care about the students. Um, you know, I te- the programming I working with has fallen more into student involvement type programs. Um, I'm not sure if you want me to go into that now or later. Or You know, I, I do School Duel, which is a high school game show. Um, it's actually open tri-county. Um, it's fun. It's, uh, we have a host, we have three kids from each school and toss up questions and academic and they win Chick-fil-A chicken sandwiches for a year. Chick-fil-A is one of our major sponsors. Bright Star Credit Union as well that gives money to the runners up. Um, that's a lot of fun. You know, that's how I like to say it in that show. It's, um, I don't want to say making cool, making smart cool, but it's to reward, showcase, uh, um, and promote these student achievers. Everybody hears about the athletes, right? Mm-hmm. And and that and nothing wrong with it. They deserve it. But these kids are working just as hard in their classroom and in the room as these other kids are working on the field. Um, it's just not as tangible. Um, so this is great, and we love to do that. Um, that's a fun show to produce. And and it's interesting. You mentioned a lot of really good things, especially athletes. And you know, I don't mean to keep talking about myself. I I went to boarding school in Connecticut, New England boarding school, was a hockey player. We had an ice rink on campus, like many schools do. So I was on the ice seven days a week, whether practice games or free skate and, you know, having a rink at the disposal, you know, not, you know, I never became a star, but you see how like star players have that at their disposal. Having a TV station and someone like you available to the students here, it must just be such an opportunity for students at a young age to get involved with this type of stuff. Talk about that. Like how are students, like what advantages do the students have having, you know, something like Beacon available for them? Sure. So the School Duel is one of the shows and then Broward T News, which is actually the longest running show on Beacon. I think it was in the mid nineties. They started with a big grant to get broadcast equipment that kids could come and work with. You know, back then camera was $30,000. I think Media 100 was the, and that again was 35,000. So they didn't have in the schools. So they got a grant to be able to kids work on it. So that's been a longest show. I brought that back as well. And the way I brought that back is I can't really get kids to come to Beacon because they have broadcast quality equipment almost in their pocket, you know, with their camera, um, phone and their laptop and all that. So it was harder to get kids to come to produce a show there. I started working with some of the stronger programs in Broward to produce one every month. So like Broward T News Cooper City Edition one month, Broward T News Cypress Bay Edition the next month, Broward T News West Broward Edition and Broward T News Stoneman Douglas Edition, these bigger programs. Um, And then I involved that where now they actually work with schools outside of Broward to submit some stories because I want them to get used to being like a news bureau. And now the kids are contacting other kids from other schools to bring stories with tosses. It's all part of producing and part of the industry. Um, But to get back to your point, along the way, I was invited to West Broward's Film Festival, which West Broward, let me take a second real quick because we talked about teachers because I want to bring this up. Um, Right now in South Florida, if you did not know, it is the best place in the country for student television and film production. And it's 
not even debatable at this point. I mean, Hawaii is an in- incredible area. California, of course, up north, and there's other pockets. But South Florida right now is just killing it with these kids. And really, yes, it's the kids, but it's the teachers. There's the, the group of teachers right now in South Florida that are fantastic. Um you know, we have Al Pichardo at Cooper City and Eric at Stoneman Douglas and Ty at Cypress Bay and Chuck Rivera at West Broward, then Charles at uh, McFadder TV. And then outside, you've got Omar and Christie at Christopher Columbus, which their program is. I mean, if you saw their shows, you would think it's college level. All of them. Um, Earl at Seminole Ridge, Maria at Immaculata LaSalle, Walter at U School, Zach at Gulliver Prep, Ryan and Amanda at Palm Beach Gardens, and Devin at AP Mays. He's moving to Moss next year. But anyway, I wanted to mention them because they're incredible. And television and film is so teacher dependent. It's almost like a band program. You know what I mean? It's as far as your teacher takes you. Um, and we're just really lucky here in South Florida, we have these incredible teachers that are doing incredible things and these kids are excelling. And the cool thing about it is they have their own little group chat, all these South Florida teachers, they keep, they work with each other, you know, and I don't take any credit for that, but I do take a little credit being their cheerleader in a sense that I'm so impressed with what they're doing with these students. And so one of the shows I produce is Shortcuts. When I went to West Broward's film festival, I went there and I was watching their, and I expected to see West Broward films. That's great. And they're great. Phenomenal program. All of a sudden this one from South Plantation popped up and let me start by saying technically terrible shot in front of you know silhouetted just bad production value but they have no program kids shot it with his phone and you know what i watched that film and i laughed intentionally he made me laugh it's not like i laughed at how bad it was it was supposed to be funny it made me laugh and i'm like well good for you and it, it dawned on me these kids are creating now like we never have um and it breaks my heart that they're creating things that is seen in front of a class of 20 25 30 and never seen again so that was the to start shortcuts shortcuts is our student film show that i produce for beacon tv i say i produce i don't make the films the kids do i just put it together you know and it's been so incredible and invigorating for me coming from the background that I come from film style shooting to see these kids. I mean, they inspire me every single day. You'd be blown away at not only their technical expertise for some of them, but their creativity, their drive. I mean, some of these kids shoot constantly. They're constantly writing scripts. And all of this comes back to the teachers that are inspiring them for these programs. So these, just real quick to, to explain how good these programs are, right? At the Student Television Network Convention, which I was a board member and currently am, but I'm coming off the board, which is an incredible national program for TV and film. Um, I advise anyone working with kids to get involved with them. They provide curriculum, all this kind of stuff. They're fantastic. Anyway, long story short, they go to their national convention. We're talking 2,700 kids competing. South Florida won 74 awards. Nuts. I mean, I think it was over 30% of the awards won there were just from South Florida. Not Florida, because they won some more. I'm talking about the Tricana area, South Florida. I mean, right now, it's just a really special time. I'm kind of riding the wave um, and trying to keep them going. You know, so if you follow Shortcuts TV show on Instagram, um, which I advise for student filmmakers to watch, especially watch your peers and even other ones, watch what these kids are doing because they're coming. They're coming for your jobs. Um, you know, I hashtag a few things. I hashtag South Florida proud because I'm extremely proud of what we do here and the people involved. I hashtag stronger together because I'm a firm believer on, you know, what's that rising tides lift all boats. Um, and then I hashtag no excuses. And I hashtag that because at Beacon during COVID, we were all at home and I'm thinking, you know what? These Some programs have a lot. Some schools have nothing. How can I get gear for kids to use to create their films? I don't want them to have an excuse. Anything they want to do is going to be there. So I started sending out emails and letters to companies to donate, um, become sponsors of the show. And I think I'm close to up to $90,000 worth of donated equipment. Um, Beacon gave me a little seed of money to buy a couple A7 threes. Beyond that, it's pretty much all donated. And 
I open it up to everybody, to kids to borrow gear. And I ask them three questions when they DM me on Instagram. What are you hoping to borrow? When are you picking it up? When are you returning it? And if it's available, it's theirs to use. And I, I want the equipment in their hands. I want them to create, because I'm sure you know as well as I do, it's all about experience. There is no failure in art, but there is improvement. And the more you do, the more you, the better you get. It's amazing. And I just want to give a quick geography lesson. Uh, you know, we, we have a worldwide audience that, that may not know. So South Florida, you know, everybody knows Miami. You know, Miami is, is the South Park. So Miami, Miami-Dade County, it's a big thing. So Broward County is just north of Miami. That's where Fort Lauderdale and Hollywood are. And Broward County, I think, is becoming really Florida's filmmaking making hub. Uh, what you said about the education, the homegrown talent, uh, Sandy Leiterman, Broward County Film Commissioner, is is a rock star. Uh, she's doing stuff. They have some great new incentives. Uh, they just launched a, a new website uh, that's really awesome. You know, we record this podcast in Broward County, um, so definitely it's uh, it's becoming. There, there's a studio uh, that's being built uh, that right now they're talking about opening it in 2025. Uh, so it's good. So yeah, Sandy's awesome. There's going to be a lot of good things, that, which is great. I, yeah. There's an organization called the Arts Accelerator that's trying to bring filmmakers together. So, and I sound like a broken record. I keep thinking, thinking, bringing things back to sports. I grew up in New Jersey and uh, Rutgers football has a you know big time football program in the league, but there was always this criticism. I'm this glad criticism. you put quotes around that. Yeah. Remember, I went to exactly, State. exactly. You know, <laughs> my, my nieces went to Alabama. So okay, there you go. They always talk about homegrown talent. Like New Jersey has these great football players, but they go to Penn State, they go to Ohio State, they go to Florida State. So it's keeping them in state. Your know, Florida, you have your know, Florida State has a great program. Miami Dade College has a bachelor's film program that's affordable and competes with Florida State University of Miami. Uh, there's a couple of schools up in Orlando area. Do you see a lot of students though, that when they want to continue, they're like, oh, I got to go to NYU. I got to go to UCLA. I got to get out of Florida. Is that happening? And how do we keep that talent in the state? So um, that's another thing, Sandy. He's kind of working on too. As you prepare for the industry to come back, you have to prepare for the crew to be here too. So, which is good. But um, Florida State tends to be the one that a lot of kids want to go to in-state tuition, great film program. Um, some, of course, want to go out, out of state, but it's hard to, you know, bright futures that they get here if they earn it. So Florida State's the big one. The problem with Florida State is they accept so few, like 15 at most. So it's very, very challenging. Uh, but that's that tends to be the one most kids are going to, unless they're very technical. And then they're thinking more like Mommy Dade, Valencia, Full Sail, that kind of stuff. And, and don't get me wrong, Florida has a great broadcast journalism and, and, and a film program. I actually judged for the Emmy and saw some of their work and I was very impressed with their film stuff. UCF, of course. Um, you know, we're actually really lucky because we do have a bunch of places available to even Broward College has a, a film program and Nova Southeastern and so forth. But um, FSU is the hot one now um, in state tuition. Um, it's just a challenge. Um, although I tout some of these kids, just this last group of kids involved with shortcuts, six of them got into FSUs. Now that's more than half, about half the class. You know, three of them were my summer interns, which I can talk about later. And three were actually at uh, Doral Academy, uh, preparatory Firebird TV, which is another fantastic program down here with Willie and, and Elaine. They got in, uh, one of them went to NYU, uh, but the other two are going to FSU, but that tends to be the big one. Um, which is, we're really lucky. You know, we have one of the best film schools in the South, if not the country here at FSU. And the kids are trying to take advantage of it. It's just so 15. It's so hard. And it's interesting because a lot of the big state universities around the country, you think they would 
want to prioritize in-state tuition, but a lot of them do a lot of recruiting outside the state because they want that extra out-of-state tu- out state tuition money. So I don't so, know how that works, especially for the film school. I don't really know. They tend to be pretty good. A lot of You hear a bunch of kids from um, the state going, especially South Florida, which is which is great. And they're, they're going to get more because, this, like I said, they're killing it right now and just getting better and better, you know, so- um, I think it'll help everybody. Do most students that you work with want to continue this or do they get a taste of it and realize, eh, it's not for me? Probably most of the kids I work because, you know, when you're talking about borrowing gear from me, you have to get, drive over there, get the gear, reserve it, return it. So it's the more motivated kids, obviously, that I work with. Um, so most of them tend to. I would say, you know, a good portion of them are more interested in broadcast journalism. Remember, I do Broward Team News as well. Yep. So I see both, but I don't know. I can't give you an estimate as far as the average film TV student in there, um, but I will say the kids I work with and overall, because of how good these programs are, these kids are motivated. You see a lot of kids interested in going into it just because of the sheer numbers of great programs we have here, you know, and excelling. These kids are, they go off, these teachers are preparing them to excel. I mean, they leave high school so much far advanced, more advanced than I was leaving college and it's not even funny. I mean, really, it's a different time, but they're just really prepared and they take off. I mean, literally take off. Three kids I work for Cypress Bay, you know, Nicole Kim and Michael Orlando, they're freshmen. They're already involved in, the, they're working in the station. They're, they got internships. I mean, as freshmen, they, because they're, we all know it's about experience, right? And you try to prepare yourself for opportunities and they're prepared and ready to take advantage. And that's what, as teachers and people work, that's what we want. We want them prepared to take advantage every opportunity they have. And it's interesting, you know, you and I, we were growing up, we learned from our teachers, library books, you know, maybe some magazines, but now there's so much out there, YouTube videos, uh, Instagram, every place to learn. Do you find that sometimes students will learn the wrong way from watching too many YouTube videos or too many Instagram videos that you have to unteach some things to teach them the right way to do things? So I'm going to pause you there. What do you mean wrong way? There's a wrong way to art? Uh, you know what I mean? I, I don't, like, I, there is no failure in art as far as I'm concerned. There's preferences. Um, but, you know, that's why when I'm telling, when I'm teaching kids and, and I go to all the schools or a lot of the schools and I give lessons for filmmaking or cinematography and, you know, and I can help them with the more technical side from my AC background as far as, you know, controlling depth of field and working with cameras and lenses and what the differences are and all that. Um, I'm constantly tell them, just do. Okay, here's rule of thirds. That's the rule. Doesn't mean you don't break. So, you know, not to sound like a snobby film person, but what is the wrong way? And who are we to say? You know what I mean? Things change. I know when I started teaching broadcasting, got now if you notice broadcasting is broadcasting has evolved and maybe it's just i think it's evolved but there's so much nat sound pops throughout these things like constantly up comes nat pound and then and you hear the door but it's like almost first time i heard someone using that style it was like almost like shocking to me but kids are used to that you got to keep their attention now that are we have changed as a society you know at first something oh it's so choppy not choppy it's just different. I don't know. I, I don't try to put people in a box. I don't, I like to let people do what they do and see what we come up with and what I think is wrong. Who am I to say, right? It's all about, it's, it's about emotions, right? I got to feel something. I don't care how you get there. You know, just it, the art is all about emotions, the photography, your stills, your paintings, your sculptures, your films, who cares how you get there as long as you get there, you know? So maybe they frame the, the interview terrible. If they're saying something really engaging, does it, or maybe that framing is more engaging too. You know, it's right. different. I don't know. I, I know 
I sound a little snobby there, but no, um, those, those those are great points. And speaking of different types of content, you know, I mentioned you know Instagram videos, TikTok. Do you uh, work with them to create any like real like short form content, like how to create a thirty second video or commercial type of thing? For shortcuts, I'll accept anything, you know, except for those broadcast journalism stories that I say for Browarty News. It could be a short little one of those little short videos that you that were around for a while away. Vines, Vines. Yeah. like I don't care as long as it's creative and as long as I feel something. That's all that matters to me. You know what I mean? Now, I mean, let me stop real quick. I do stress to them, learn the rules before you break the rules, of course. Um, But just be creative, come out with something cool and different and I'll appreciate it. You know, as long as you're trying to do something emotional or have an impact on someone. I mean, that's what it's all. Is there anything cooler than that, than having someone watch your film and get the reaction you hoped for? I remember the first time I saw one of my student films on a big screen and it was like, wow. And then I saw myself as an actor on a big screen. I was like, wow, look how big my face is. (laughs) I use a film when I do my lessons called The Mighty that a a student from Cypress Bay made. I play it and at the point, first of all, kids like to kill people in films, but um, the surprising part is that he saves this dog at the end and it's scared like the car is going to hit it. And I'll play that for students and I'll have students literally like mouth open go. And when I, I, I'm, I'm getting goosebumps now. I have nothing to do with this film. It's a student film. But when I watch someone have an emotional reaction that was planned by the director in their mind, on their video camera, in their editor, watched by someone, and you get an emotional reaction from someone, that's what it's all about, right? How cool, there's, it's such a cool thing. I mean, that's what gives me the jazz too. And I watch that. That's why I'm doing the student film show and working with these teachers and these students. It's been so invigorating for me um, just to get back in that creative world of just being new to the industry, and just trying for the fun of it. You know, they're not getting paid. They're just doing it for the fun. Um, how cool is that? It's amazing. Uh, we're going to take another quick break. But before that, we would like to thank our partners that helped make this podcast possible. Cinevideotech, who has been providing filmmaking equipment, training, and services to the film industry, both inside and outside the United States since 1968. M2 Films, who provides directing, writing, and assistant director services. ComTV, who offers consulting and production services for a wide range of entertainment, marketing, advertising, and commercial projects. This is Howard Brand with the Cinema Pathway Podcast. We'll be right back. And we are back. All right. Now it's time for really the main event of the episode. Uh, Time to hear about all the exciting things and interesting things you're doing with students. Uh, You talked a little bit about that, but now uh, let's really dig into it. Yeah. So the two ones where I I work with the TV and film kids the closest is Browarty News and Shortcuts. Browarty News, I already spoke spoke about how it's a journalism show. And Shortcuts is the student film show. So along with that, I do visit all the schools, a lot of the schools um, in the area. Not only, you know, I'll go to the schools of the, the stronger programs. Um, and I'll give lessons, you know, short film lesson, cinematography 101, how to operate a DSLR style camera manually, all these uh, broadcasts, how to approach a journalism story. So I'll go around to these different schools, not only the ones that are built up, but the ones that are trying to become um, what I call programs. You know, I'll always ask a teacher, do you want a class or a program? And I don't judge. I get it. Some of these teachers are doing yearbook too. and do it. They don't have to time to take on a program. Um, but if they want a program, 
you know, I talk to them a little bit differently, you know, about getting into competitions and getting these kids involved in real world stuff, not just airing on their daily announcements and that kind of stuff, but, you know, putting more significance like Student Television Network and the Florida Scholastic Press Association competitions, which are both great programs. So I'll go into these lessons and I'll approach it. I'll usually go to the teacher beforehand. What are you trying to push on them now? What are they not listening to? Do they need to use tripods and they're not using? So I want to know so that I make sure I bring it up in the lesson. Um, and the, that, that's the best. And the teachers always kid me um, about, you know, they could say it 15 times, but if I say it once, then it's real, you know? So I make sure I say that and you see their eyes open up and they look at each other like, oh, he's saying we need to use a tripod too. I guess that's true. But I go into lessons and some of the things I approach that, yes, I'm giving specific lessons about things. Like I said earlier, rule of thirds and other, you know, three point lighting and things like that. But what I'm really trying to stress to them is to think like a director um, in a sense of to make decisions about everything. I want them to be deliberate, nothing for chance. I want them to think about everything. What story am I going to tell? What are my actors in it? What are they wearing? Where are they standing? How do I light them? What's in front of them? What's behind them? Are they holding something? Are they? How do they interact? Where's my camera? What lens am I using? How am I lighting this? I want them to make choices about everything because I want them to have that mindset. They have a choice about everything and I don't want to leave things for chance. So that's a big thing I try to stress for them. Like going into the specifics on how you light it, how to, I want them to make those choices. I'll give them groundwork, but I want them to make choices about everything and think about everything. And then another thing I stress with them is sound. Um, that's the Achilles heel of the student filmmaker. Um, sound is hard. Kids don't think about sound, but sound is more important than video. You know, I explain to them, I'll watch it if it's shaky, out of focus, and that's fine. If I can't hear what they're saying, I'm out, you know? So, and that's usually the last thing they think about. And I want them to think about, not only think about sound, think about it almost first. You got four people around the table. How are we hearing them? You know, you got this long shot of them walking down the sidewalk. How are you getting that sound? You can't do it with a boom. Can't do it with a camera mic. Do you have a wireless mic? Are you comfortable with organ wireless? So anyway, um, these are kind of things I try to stress to them. Listen, I have it made. I get to go in the classroom, do a presentation. I'm like the grandpa. You know, I get to give them the candy and leave. You know, these poor teachers have to deal with the discipline and all this stuff afterwards. And they kid me about it, you know, but then, and the kids and the teachers now are starting to call me Uncle Jim, which is great. I love, yeah, I'm the uncle. I get to come and have fun, do fun lessons, do my little dance and leave. Um, so I'm very lucky in that sense. But the kids are really lucky to have the teachers that teach them from the beginning and all the way through. Yeah. Sound is, uh, at one point I had actually said that, you know what? I'm now going to only make silent films indoors. So I don't have to worry about sound and I don't have to worry about weather. The two things. And you mentioned like footsteps. Footsteps are somebody coming down the hall. It's not just the sound of the footsteps. It's the proximity and the change in that. And same thing with somebody from outside. It's yeah, it's in sound design. It's almost a, uh, it's an art form on its own. One of the films, it's called The Mighty that I use in my lesson. There's a shot where the girl walks by this pine tree and he got a deliberate cutaway shot of the protagonist touching the tree and you hear it. And later when I talk about sound, I bring that shot up to the kids and I'm saying, this is what happened to you. First of all, all that gnat sound of hearing, walking on pine needles, stepping on this, blah, 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 that brings you there. That's an emotional change for you right there. You're not in your couch now. You're in the film. But that shot of the touching the tree, you don't only see it and hear it. You feel it too. You subconsciously know what it feels like to touch a pine bark like that. And when you hear that... <sighs> and see that you are touching it. And just think about that emotional impact on you. You're in. That director has you. And that was a deliberate cutaway shot that I always bring up because it's my favorite shot in the film because I love that the director did it. And it does matter. It just matters. And it's right at the beginning in the opening sequence of the introduction. And I love it. Yeah. And I try to bring, and that's what I'm saying. I want you to think that way. How can I engage my viewer, not only you know with information, but 
emotion, you know, and, and tactile things. So, and what's also, I really find interesting is when films have use a, they use dead silence in a right way. It's part of your tool chest, right? Yeah. You have a set of tools and you got to protect them and use them in the right way. You know, that's why I'm, I'm always telling them, I say, always use a tripod. Of course, we don't always use a tripod, but I want that on their mind because that's a huge choice. Taking the camera off the tripod and on, not on it, you know what I mean? Or putting it on it. And their choice, their, their state of default should be on a tripod. The choice is not, should I put it on a tripod? It's should I take it off? Because if you shoot it all handheld, you've kind of given away a tool that you can use later effectively if you needed to make decisions, be deliberate. Do you have dollies or jibs? So we have so much. I always kid. We have pretty much everything they could need for a film. And if I don't have it, I can find a way to do it. The only thing I don't have is a drone. Get your own damn drone. You're going to break my drone. But besides that, we have sliders, we have gimbals, we have, you know, Rokinon cinema lenses. So we have point and shoot video cameras for the kids that are just learning to, you know, A7Ies and Sigma FPL uh, cinema cameras that can add you know, fully manual Rokinon prime lenses, F.14 or T.14 um, lenses and, and lights and, uh, you know, a little jib and gimbals pretty much have what they need. It's just a matter of no excuses, right? Yeah. What I was a first AD on a indie feature last summer and it was, we had a small space to film in, didn't have room to bring in you know, full dolly and all that. So we took my $50 Home Depot dolly, couple Apple boxes on it, sat the camera operator on it, pulled it around. So it was a $50 Home Depot uh, mounting a, you know, using a $30,000 red uh, and got that shot because camera movement, subtle, even subtle camera movement uh, makes so much of a difference. That's something, you know, when I was coming up through school, like learning, I did a lot of things, just static tripod shots and the feedback I was getting like, oh, it's, you know, the conversation is good, but it, it's boring to look at. So being, you know, learning how to incorporate that is, is a big thing. We have sliders, we have an electronic slider that can do parallax. We have all these kind of things. GVM is one of our sponsors. They donated all that stuff, which is great. Um, I'm totally with you. I want you to think about those things as if they're going in, but it's all about what are you trying to, how do you want the audience to feel during this film? How do you want the audience to feel during this scene? How do you want the audience to feel during this shot? And once you decide how you want them to feel, everything should rotate from there and everything changes, right? The music changes, the actors change, the camera shot, the lens, lighting. But you have to think about that. How do I want them to feel right now on this shot? You know, and I, and I want the directors and the kids to think everything through. How are they? So, you know, you got the camera. We talked about sound. How do they grasp lighting and light, you know, color, color palette, color for emotion, that type of more abstract things? Yeah. So lighting is usually the hardest thing for the teachers to get to because they have to get to so much. You know what I mean? And most kids are just throwing a light to illuminate as opposed to push the story forward. You know what I mean? So I try to help them with that. Um, good example. So I had students, uh, Samuel Correa from West Broward High School, went on to go to FSU's film school and win all kinds of awards. He shot this one film, Aaliyah. I think he was a sophomore and it won all kinds of awards. It's a fantastic student film. But he came to me in the summer and said, this is what I'm trying to do. I want it to be a morning scene. I want to have some color palette to it. I so just that gets my juices going. You know what I mean? We're all right here. We're going to have fun now. Um, and I worked with him, you know, about a, a light, you know, used a cob light to, with him to come through the window. He used, we, I gave him a fogger to kind of miss the room. So you get those shafts of light and, you know, that kind of gets me going too. That's where I love to live and to see students. And not all of them are going to get to this technical level, but when they do, I just try to, you know, give them the tool to do what they need to do. 
Um, that's my whole goal, you know, like you know, give them Microsoft Word. I can't make them a writer, but I might be able to give them that Microsoft Word what they can write on. Yeah. You know what I mean? And some of the kids are really great. Um, then, then you've got the flip side. Then you've got the kids that are more storytellers and they're just, they're script writers and they're more interested in that. Um, that's fine too, you know, the, um, and then there's some that like to just shoot and there's some that want to do sound. You'd be surprised. There's high school kids that want to do sound. You think, really? You know, um, that's the fun thing. So yes, there are some kids that get to that level not all of them you build on your experience right yeah i mean i can't do lighting or color to save my life because one i'm partially colorblind so uh colors add I'm, i have a little bit of a sight loss in one of my eyes so my depth is isn't always accurate that's why dps uh enjoy working with me because i'll never question you know does that color look right you know this if it looks good to you i trust you yeah and I, i'm pretty much i still f- used to freelance up until before covid a lot like as an ac which is fun because you went video and then they came back and now they're using cinema lens again and here comes the ACs back and ready to go which I loved you know all set to go of course now they're doing it they're pulling focus on monitors I'm, I'm old school it's tape and all marks um but it's a young man's game my eyes aren't as great I get in a dark studio I can't see and you've got to do it you know so I pretty much re- somewhat retired from freelance stuff um I want to get back into teaching college level again and stuff like that but yeah it's a young man's game and woman's game which by the way you'd be surprised tends to be way more females in the TV and film more in high school level now, which I love. Love having that side, a different perspective than we're used to. I'm always pushing that. You know, I love it. And having a crew of, of different people with different backgrounds and what we want. And that's the beauty of South Florida too. Yeah. And the DPI I work with, she's a female, female veteran, you know, shout out to Jay. It's amazing. But I want to go back. You mentioned COVID. So I could imagine COVID had a significant impact on this. And has it affected how things are done now, like after effects of COVID? Were things implemented that still occur? Or did you go back to the way it was before? There's definitely a COVID wave still going through the high schools and into the college because they're behind. You know, a lot of classes you can teach online. TV and film is a tough one. Theory only takes you so far. You know, the better programs, these kids are working constantly and shooting constantly. Um, so it was a hit, you know, and, and then it even rippled beyond that because you also didn't get the same amount of kids joining the program because they haven't seen a program worth joining. You know what I mean? They don't, they're not seeing the visuals and stuff like that. Everything was Zoom. Um, so yes, it, it, it definitely made an impact and you saw it in students' work, not in their talent, their experience. They were a little bit behind the other kids because they haven't done as much. So definitely that. And again, hats off to the teachers that had to go through shutdown, then go through online, then go through, which is probably worse, hybrid. That was rough. And I'm not saying the school boards made wrong decisions. It was how we evolved, but it was, and they were, they were tired, you know? So, you know, even when they got back in person, teachers were really pushing it and humping it along for a long time and they were tired. And now these kids are coming back and they're coming back from COVID. They're not quite used to being working this hard and in person. So then it was getting them going again. It was exhausting. Um, it's been hard on them. You mentioned earlier that uh, students like to kill people in films. They do. That they do. So always, I take- It always goes dark. I take it that's the genre that they tend to gravitate to. It, it's also easier. You know, horror is much easier to define than comedy, right? I can explain. It's very easy. How do you scare someone? That's easy to define. How do you make someone laugh? Not quite as easy. Are there areas that you like to see them explore more? That you like to see them maybe take some risks at being, you know, they're in school. You could have fun. You could, you, you know, the world their oyster right now? Not necessarily areas, but I want them to push themselves. You know, you've done a couple horrors. I get it. They're fun. 
how about try a romantic comedy? You know, it's much more subtle um, and much more, you know, so, you know, I don't tell them what to do. I want them to do what they do. You know, I want them to do their art. In fact, even so because we're beacon, we can only air certain things. You know, I'm not airing anything with a gun. It's just not happening. And excessive violence, drug use, sexual situations, all that kind of stuff. We're, we're, you know, Disney and then some, you know what I mean? That doesn't mean you do you, you do your art, create your film. Don't create it for me create your film for you. But I do encourage them to try to push themselves into areas they're not comfortable with um, because you learn a lot. You learn, probably learn more in your failure than your successes, right? So, um, and I'm not saying they're going to fail, but I'm just saying, push yourself, try it. Now's the time, you know, to do it. Um, and then also find out if this is a field you really want to go into. Shoot a couple films. You might, f- again, everybody wants to be a director. It sounds fun, sounds good, but once you start doing it, you realize how much hard work it is, not labor-wise, carrying all the gear around, but tediousness and time and frustration dealing with trying to get student actors to actually show up. And, you know, all of that can become eye-opening to them. And I'd much rather them learn they don't want to do this field before they're paying tuition, right? So so do try and see. Locations when you have no money. Yeah, well, yeah. Trying to convince a crew that all you can afford is pizza. No, exactly. If that, what pizza? The kids aren't pizza. <laughs> Granola bars. <laughs> yeah, getting their parents to drive them to locations, you know, that kind of stuff. The post-production part, the editing, what tools do they use? Do they have at their disposal? So I use Premiere. Um, the kids use Premiere, Final Cut, DaVinci, and even Below, you know, some of the freer, like we, we video and that kind of stuff. Um, again, well, I still have interns in the summer. We have a paid internship program, by the way. I'll have 10 high school students working with me for six weeks this summer creating, which is fantastic. It's a lot of fun. This is the third summer I've done it. I went six interns, then eight interns. Now, 10, please say a little prayer for me. We'll see how this works out. No, but they're great kids. So I'm excited about that. But as far as post, they kind of use what they want. I don't really, I'm not a like a tool person. I'm more like, I'd rather teach you the concept of editing than the buttons of Premiere. I can, but it's not about that. Like we talked before, just because you had Microsoft Word doesn't make you a writer. Just because you know Premiere doesn't make you an editor. Um, but they use what they're, they're amazing, these kids. A uh, wise man once told me that a fool with a tool is still a fool. Uh, yeah, exactly. Are there like are there opportunities for them to learn? Are there classes on those or do they have to learn them on their own? So in the TV and film classes there. So Adobe, I think, gives them paid incentive to get certified. Okay. So um, I think they have to be certified in two programs to actually earn that money. Um, so a lot of the teachers will teach them either Photoshop and Premiere or Premiere and Photoshop and After Effects. And yeah, so um, but some schools use uh, Broward County doesn't have Apple computers anymore. They're all PC, but I know in Dade County, and some of them are using and Final Cut. And some are using DaVinci because it's free. And also, I don't know if Broward County does it. Uh, I know Miami-Dade Public Library System, if you have a library card, uh, you can access LinkedIn Learning for free and do all those training videos. So wherever you live, if you have a library card, Check out your local public library, see what they offer. There's a lot of training out there that's available and uh, take advantage of it. Oh, and YouTube. And But YouTube. these kids, remember, they're not afraid. They'll dive in and figure it out. You know what I mean? Uh, it's harder to teach a, an adult than as a student by far because adults are afraid. Kids aren't. You know, they're, they're used to it. So they figure it out. They know, gosh, to show me things, you know, all the time. Is there anything that you've been wanting to implement, like bring to the students that you just have not been able to yet for either resources or they're just not there yet? Well, the, the resource is my time. Right. You know, I'm pretty booked now. Um, we also in the summer, like in July, we'll have a big, like from all the programs, the student officers, you know, like we'll have a big get together mixer. And last year we had at the Museum of Discovery and Science, which was one of our sponsors for Shortcuts. And they broke up and did scavenger hunt and they saw a film. They saw the 
Everest film, which is an incredible IMAX. And beforehand, I said, now remember, you're going they're seeing them on Everest. There's a guy behind them with an IMAX camera climbing <laughs> the mountain. <laughs> so say, you know, have a little feelings for this poor guy. Uh, it's not just the person in front of the camera. They're climbing up the mountain with the camera. Um, but that was kind of fun. And, and again, South Florida proud, stronger together. I want these kids. Networking isn't, I'm trying to explain to them, networking isn't always vertical. It's more horizontal. So, you know, when these kids got an FSU film school, I connected them, start talking, you know, this is, you know, look at moonlight. That was all FSU kids. You know what I mean? So, you know, start networking now. You're take advantage of being in the area right now. That's the best part in the country. And these incredible teachers um, that are willing to help you, even if you don't go to your school. Awesome. We're going to take another break and we'll be back to conclude this episode. If you enjoyed listening to our podcast, please support us by subscribing on your favorite podcast platform and giving us a rating. Then you can head over to our online store at www.paradoxicalfilms.com backslash shop where you can purchase Cinema Pathway gear, including t-shirts, hoodies, stickers, and more. Also, be sure to follow us on Instagram at cinema underscore pathway underscore podcast for behind the scenes photos and more. This is Howard Brand with the Cinema Pathway Podcast. We'll be right back. I'm Howard Brand, and we are talking today with Jim Garage. So, Jim, we've talked a lot about what you have done, a lot that's going on. What's coming next? What does the future look like for you and really for uh, for Beacon? Well, you know, Beacon, we do a bunch of different programs. We do some curriculum. We obviously do some promotional stuff and things that the school board needs and all the other programming. So we're just chugging along, just trying to come up with new things. We usually work a lot with the curriculum department to see what needs to be taught and how we can help. Um, so that's one of the things because, you know, not only we're teaching kids, we're teaching teachers, we're teaching the community and that's kind of what we are. As far as me, I'm just trying to keep it going, right? You know, keep helping these kids and pushing them forward, creating some shows and giving them the outlets to showcase themselves. Um, it's weird, you know, uh, like I said, I go give lessons. So I've been giving the same lesson probably for five years now. And I, I was going to redo it, but I keep forgetting that the kids leave and there's a new kids. It's already a good lesson. <laughs> What's the point? The only one's bored is me. Um, they're, it's all, they're all new kids. So they never change. So, I mean, they always change. It's just me. So I stuck with it because it's a great lesson and, and why and reinvent the wheel. I'm always looking for different ways to push and encourage and reward these kids. You never know what will come up. Is there an appetite? or desire of the students to want to learn how to work with actual film? Actually, I won't say a lot, but some of them get like 35 millimeter still cameras uh, to shoot with just to, because they, I guess it's more novel to them. Um, not actual film. I've yet to have a student actually want film, like motion picture film kind of stuff, because that gets really expensive for them. Um, but yeah, in fact, I had a woman, elderly woman, reach out to me. She watches Shortcuts, watches the show, loves what the kids are doing. She said, I have a camera and some stuff to donate. Are you willing? And I was like, sure, let me come on down. I asked, what kind of camera? She said, I think it's Minolta. It's a, but I don't know what film it takes. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> so I went there and met her and it was just, she was so excited. I had my whole list of all the lenses and filters she was giving me. So I have that. And I might pull it out for kids that are interested to go shoot, like set up a scene, actually take a picture, have no idea what it's going to look like until it comes back, uh, which I think will be eye opening to them. And so, yeah, I mean, in a little bit, not motion picture is just too expensive for them. Right. And you talked about um, donations. Obviously, you know, a program like yours can benefit from donations. What type of equipment are you most in need of? So always cameras and lighting is always big 
and lenses. Those are probably the three. I would take audio as well, the, the basic stuff. But I got some of the, the nuts up, like tripods and stuff like that I'm pretty good at. Those are the, those electronic stuffs also take a beating more than most. Right. You know what I mean? So yeah, and I've been lucky. Can I real quick just plug some of these sponsors that have helped out this show? You know, Pro Sound and Video here in Miami donated a camera. Rokinon, a whole set of lenses. Sigma, an FBL camera and a bunch of lenses. Sure Microphones, Sennheiser, GVM LED. Axoon uh, gave me wireless transmitters. ZVW Technology. Shape gave me camera cages. Magnus tripods. Elvid monitors. I have a you know, a 26 inch, you know, 4k monitor that kids can take out and uh, other things. So I do want to give them credit. Cause like when I, you know, when you say I have close to $90,000 worth of donated gear, they deserve their return on investment as well and deserve thanks for that. You know, so they've been great. Bright Star Credit Union provides financial Chick-fil-A, Museum of Discovery and Science. They're also give rewards because every show, a monthly show for shortcuts, there's a critic's choice that's judged by judges. They win $200 from Bright Star Credit Union, Chick-fil-A sandwiches and Museum of Discovery and Science tickets to see their documentaries and then uh, we also have a viewer's choice so the kids can vote online which is kind of fun um so we again just motivate them push them give them encouragement and they work hard they deserve some of that you know what i mean we all know how hard it is to make a film i don't care if it's a minute it's a lot of work um so they deserve that recognition that's something above and beyond what a high school kid would normally do and i want them to know that it's appreciated is shortcuts does that happen every month? Yeah, pretty much. Okay. Yeah. And what about uh, school duels? School duel, we shoot all 12 games in, in a two-week period in January, which is like, I call it like pulling off a Band-Aid, um, and not in a bad way, just a busy way. Um, that's a labor, a definite labor of love for me. Um, and why it's the labor part comes in that these kids are so darn smart. I have to think of alternative correct answers. Just be prepared because they're crazy smart way smarter than me. So we uh, try to prepare for that. Um, so it's it's a tense two weeks um, for us, right. you know, but when these kids get there and they're so excited and they, I mean, it's a life experience more yeah. than anything, you know, get to compete in a television game show. It's kind of fun, you know? And so I, so even though the days I'm like, oh God, I got to go to the questions and blah, 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 and fix all this. When they're there, it's all worth it. And then what's the broadcast schedule for that? And then we air once a week for the, it usually is a 12 week period. Oh. And then we you know, then we loop it as it goes through the season. It's like right? how Jeopardy films. Yes. Or exactly. even uh, I used to watch Family Feud a lot and notice that, you know, when the family wins, they come back. And it's funny because the family is in the same clothes as they were the previous episode, but Steve Harvey has changed. It's like, why don't you let the families change too? I mean, it's obvious you're filming in the same day. Yeah. That's the show where I really wear more of a producer's hat. You know what I mean? And I'm always telling the kids, and I use that as an example, 80% of your effort should go into pre-production. I made that number up, but it sounds good. But 80% of their effort should going to pre-production, you know, some kids want to wing it and I'm telling them, you know, listen, shot lists, storyboards, um, that's not busy work. That's the industry. You have to put in the work beforehand and that's when you should put your work. The shoot day should be easy if you do the work beforehand. It's the six or seven P's prior proper planning prevents poor performance. There you go. You can throw another P in there. Yeah, I gotcha. You mentioned your sponsors and thank you for that. Are there any other uh, organizations that you're involved with that you like to talk about? Anything that's near and dear to your heart? Yeah. So Florida Scholastic Press Association, they have district and they have state levels. It's great for kids. Again, I want them to have experiences. Competition is a driver, right? They want to have some real effect to what they're doing, not just in their classroom, have some tangible things. And then Student Television Network is, again, I can't push them. I was on the board because I believe in them so much. It's such a great 
great program, the differences they make in kids' lives. And it it's like that's their national championship. That's their Super Bowl. So when they, they travel, it's always at a different location. Last year, was, it's actually going to be in Long Beach again. So all these kids from across the country fly in to compete. So one of their events is like Crazy Eights. So they're dropped a prompt. They have eight hours to create an eight-minute news show from scratch or an eight-minute film from scratch or an eight-minute documentary from scratch, eight-minute daily show. So in a strange location, have no idea what the prompt is, boom, go. And it's so fun to watch these kids like become adults. Like They have a deadline. They're on it. Off they go. It's so cool. How long do they have? Eight hours. And then their individual events, they have six hours to create a film on a prompt, sometimes with a prop, sometimes with a line that they have to incorporate. Crazy, right? I've done a couple of 48-hour film projects. That is hell. I can't even imagine. Oh, yeah. And they practice all year for it. It's oh, such a motivating tool because now just the cinema film is one thing. To practice, to prepare for a national championship is another. You know what I mean? So the, it's really great. It's it's just a great... I, I love FSBA and STN are the ones that stand out for me. And All-American Film Festival and is good, too in New York. That's more film. Um, that's another great organization. Broward County is the Broward Department of Education is the sixth largest in the country. I know New York, LA, Chicago are the big three, uh, a couple others. Do you know how many other maybe comparable school districts have a station or an organization like Beacon? Yeah, not many. Um, like I said, you know, LA, New York, I think has one. Um, Dade, um, although they're PBS. It's right. different. So not many. Um, it's unique. We're lucky. These kids get to see their stuff on TV. Mm -hmm. That's kind of fun, right? Of course, I don't know if I should say not that many kids are watching TV, but some still do. But it's still cool to see yourself on the big screen in your house, you know, with your parents and stuff like that. But yeah, we're we're kind of unique um, in a way. So which is a nice thing. We get, we get to cut our own trail, right? Are there uh, sports broadcasting? We do some, yes. Yeah, we do some. Um, we do some high school football, volleyball, but, yeah, we have a producer that's on, and he does other things, you know, with them as well. And yeah. Uh, so curriculum, we do sports. We're educationally obviously based because we're school board, but we're also community based. Uh, I like to think of as Broward's station. And that was going to be my next question. You know, the audience, obviously, you know, parents and students are a big audience, but how important is it being community based and just reaching out to the greater community? I think it, it definitely is important. You want to be able to hear about your own local area, right? And and also you want to hear about your schools and your kids. I mean, we are, it's the biggest employer in Broward and it, and it touches on pretty much all of us, you know, the, the public school system in some way. Um, so it's nice to get an idea of what's going on and hearing what's going in. You know, yes, we do need to hear about the bad things. Some things happened, the mold in this one school. I, I get you. You need to hear. But we should also hear about the good things, too, because there are a lot of incredible things that these people are doing, these teachers and these programs and these students. And don't forget that, right? And you mentioned you're not affiliated with, with PBS. You know, I grew up PBS and NPR, and they're always doing fundraising drives and, and funding. Yes, you're funded by the county and you're part of the county, but does Beacon have any external fundraising, external donations that come in to help support? Oh, yeah, of course. We have Friends of Beacon uh, where you can donate. And then we also, we can do productions and we have people rent out our studio sometimes and, and so forth. In fact, we just had someone shoot a film at Beacon. When they were talking about doing it, I said, that's fine. Can we incorporate students? Can they be involved? And they were great. So we had like, you know, three or four or five high school students that actually were on the crew. Um, and by the time, it was hilarious. Then they're, they're like, halfway through the day, they're part, now really part of the crew, bringing lights in, the, the work, and they got gloves on. I'm like, oh, geez, oh, there we go. Because um, these kids are, they're something. 
man. Do you look for volunteers to assist? If people can give time, not money, whether, you know, you know professionals, practitioners, people that have like knowledge. Like interns, you mean? I'm thinking more adults who work in the industry and just want to give back. Well, sure. Of course. We're, listen, you want to give back? We want to take back. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, we'll do whatever. Um, but, yeah, we do have interns. I kind of, I haven't pushed the internship program as far as college level as much recently because it came to my attention. We were doing unpaid internships and I'm not a fan of that anymore because I realized how it segregates, you know, certain college kids, they can't afford to do an unpaid internship. So, and then, but funding through a school board gets kind of tricky in that kind of situation, but I'm, I'm looking in ways to bring that back. COVID slowed everything too. You know, I had interns and then it kind of stopped because of that. Yeah. There's still an ongoing debate, uh, the mentality that, oh, if you want to get into this industry, be prepared to work for free, you know, to get your feet wet. And the other ones who are like, no one should ever have to work for free no matter what. So that, I mean, that takes place at all levels. The problem is it segregates. Some yeah. people can't afford to do an unpaid internship. Yeah, exactly. They have to work. If someone is interested in following in your footsteps, wanted to get into, you know, that kind of education type of, you know, teaching, not in a classroom type of thing, working for an organization like Beacon, what advice would you give them? Oh, it's kind of a unique situation I'm in, um, but I don't know. I mean, there's actually a bunch of organizations down here that do work with kids. So there's opportunities in that way. And I'm sure even like Sandy from the Film Commission might be a good resource for that. So I don't know. That's kind of a tough one because I'm kind of a weird spot that I am in. You just know? happened to fall into the right spot. Yeah, I just, you know, I followed my passions in a way and it and I thought it was something we should do. We're owned by the School Board of Broward County. We should be providing hands-on experience for kids um, and opportunities. And kind of just kind of fell in there. And, and I really enjoy what I'm doing. I'm not going to lie. I love working with kids. I love working with the teachers. I also love doing my other projects that I do at Beacon where I'm actually more hands-on. I'm pretty lucky in that sense. And I believe in what we're trying to do. You know, that's a big thing. And most of the people at Beacon do. You know, it's nice to know you have a really good cause that you're, you're working for. And I know it's hard, with, would be hard for our listeners to picture it without seeing it. But can you describe, like, what kind of facilities do you have at Beacon? Oh, we got a building. Uh, they got a, a studio. And uh, we actually, Beacon is more than a television station. We actually oversee all the print graphics for the county. We oversee all the electronic repairs and school services. We do their distance learning. We do, so we're more than just the television station. But um, yeah, full studio. Full switcher, and we're actually five stations in one because we have one that goes out to the public, WBC, um, and then we have um, four internal channels that are going directly into the schools where we coordinate the curriculum and we try to air certain things that are being taught. Yes, they can get it on demand, of course, but we have the access, so we're always pro so we're actually programming five stations in one. Um, and you're always working with the schools and what they need and what they're trying to do. We're an extension of them as well you know, besides a television station. I know you've mentioned it throughout the podcast, but want to make sure our listeners get a chance to hear it again. Uh, where can our listeners either find you on social media, learn more about you, and where can they find out about these great shows and watch these programs that produce? Yeah, so you can see, obviously, shows on Beacon. It's it's a must-carry throughout. Uh, you'll find it uh, either Channel 60, 19, 48 on cable. It, you know, every one of the different cables have their different things. But, um, and Beacon.TV is the website, is our website. But as far as shortcuts well school duel has its own website school duel tv school duel.tv that's actually bright star is one of our sponsors and they actually sponsor that for us and run our website and then shortcuts the easiest way we have shortcuts on youtube which i again filmmaker trying to get in the industry start watching some of these films especially if you're a high school kid um or even college and that's um youtube 
facebook.com forward slash shortcuts TV show. But my big social media one that I use is Instagram now. I kind of stopped there. I haven't followed all the way to TikTok. I've seen, I've been here long enough to start a Facebook, then I went to Twitter. You're chasing the kids and then Instagram. And I kind of pause there because I can't, okay, let me slow down a second because as I keep moving, I'm not going to TikTok. I'm not going to Snapchat. But anyway, it's uh, at Shortcuts TV Show on Instagram. That's where I have the kids DM me when they want to rent gear. That's how I do it all. But you'll see the films. I announce every film that's submitted, even if it's not going to air on the show because it's too violent or whatever. I'll announce it because they deserve that credit too. And and you'll see, you'll constantly see kids checking out gear for me. You'll see behind the scenes of them on the set working. Um, I just want all the other kids to know kids are working, right? Let's go. And uh, I'm going to quote my daughter real quick. My daughter is very type A, passionate, hardworking. And she used to do these things with her um, with other kids teaching them resumes and interviews. And she said this one time, and I, and this is going to scare all the kids, but she said, remember the race has started and there's people sprinting. So until you start jogging, you're falling farther behind. Um, and it's so true. So I'm not, that's not, I mean, the kids put so much pressure on themselves. Don't do that, but start, go, begin, start watching other kids' films. Even if you're not ready to shoot, start dissecting it, start soaking it in, then try a film. You know, don't do a 15 minute film. You, I mean, you can do what you want. I'd rather you do five two minute films. Right. You're going to learn five times as much. Challenge yourself. And nowadays, everybody has a basically cinema quality camera in their pocket almost with the phones. The uh, It's true. There's the barrier to entry has almost disappeared. Yeah. And a very affordable app and you can run it totally like a manual camera and control everything. Depth yeah. Field, and you nuts. can edit on your phone. I can't edit on my phone. I, I need a bigger screen to see what I'm doing and need more than just my thumbs. Like I said, you know, you've had an amazing career. You're fortunate to do what you love. You shared a lot of great information, knowledge. Um, all these links and websites will be on our, in the episode summary for our listeners to follow them. Any last piece of advice or closing words? Just one last big shout out to the teachers. They deserve it. Uh, they work very hard um, and they care. You know, they really do care. They work very hard. They're the reason why so much of these kids go on and do so many things and why this area is so great. There's a really special group of teachers right now um, throughout the country as well, but especially in South Florida. So just want to, again, I mean, really, they're incredible. I, I really have a huge amount of respect for them. I think they all appreciate that. Jim, this has been great. Thank you so much for being here. We would welcome you back to the podcast anytime you wish. Would love to hear about things that come up in the future. And uh, it's really exciting to know that there's people out there like you that are really, like I said, at the beginning, educating the future filmmakers out there. It's so important. So thank you again. To our listeners, thank you again for joining us on the Cinema Pathway podcast today. I'm your host, Howard Brand. Our director is Miguel Miller. Our producer is Juliette Desan with associate producer Victor Ferreira. The executive producer is Freddie R. Rodriguez. This has been a presentation of Paradoxical Films. Please visit our website, www.paradoxicalfilms.com for more information about today's podcast. You can also email us at cinemapathway at paradoxicalfilms.com where you could send any comments or suggestions for future episodes. Remember to subscribe to the Cinema Pathway podcast on your favorite podcast platform and visit our online store at www.paradoxicalfilms.com backslash store to get your Cinema Pathway gear and follow us on Instagram at cinema underscore pathway underscore podcast for behind the scenes photos and more. We hope you will join us for our next episode where we will continue bringing on special guests to talk about the craft of filmmaking right here on the Cinema Pathway podcast. Lights out. <laughs>